Cue Playback. Hi everyone and welcome to Cue Playback, a podcast looking at the evolution of recording techniques through the lens of the DIY scene. The year is 1990, or it could be 1989 or 1988 even. Um, One thing I've learned about myself uh, over the years is that my memory seems to be bound more to emotional events than remembering fine details. So over the course of this series, I'll be bringing in guests uh, who I've worked with or who have uh, been part of the DIY scene to give a little bit more of a detailed uh, perspective uh, to sort of back up what I see as my memory of events. Now, just to set the scene uh, in this first episode, this is not going to be a pro-advice podcast. You're not coming on here to debate Uh, which vintage microphones do what best and if it's worth paying the price of a luxury car for a microphone. Uh, That's not what this is. I'm sure there are plenty of things out there already to do that. This is more of a love song to how artists have had to improvise to capture their vision. And for many of us that starts at a young age in our teenage formative years and it'll set the scene for how we Uh, approach recording into our future and how our songwriting or our composition follows that uh, very much DIY aesthetic that you'll do whatever is necessary to capture the vision that you have. So uh, we'll be looking at tech and we'll be looking at how we're inspired by tech and art and uh, for all of those people that are saying uh, I don't want to hear the stories behind all of this I just want to get to the to the recipe, as it were, if you're uh, a cooking aficionado and you're sick of reading through someone's life story before the recipe, uh, this podcast is really saying that these times and events are bound together. So once again, this is not a high-tech podcast. Um, There's plenty of other places to find that. So starting with my own path into... Uh, recording and music, I very much saw myself as a guitarist when I began in my early teens. I had a very cheap Stratocaster rip-off guitar, uh, a very cheap amplifier. Uh, For those people who are on our Patreon, I'll be putting up pictures of the equipment that I had at the time or uh, links to some of the equipment that I had. Uh, but starting with the description, it was very much what I could afford, like so many people uh, start out. Um, I think I had an after-school job that let me afford an Alcatron or Alctec amplifier, uh, which was little more than um, a powered speaker with a volume, bass and treble uh, control. Sort of sparkling blue Stratocaster style guitar um, that probably desperately needed to be set up but I was too young to probably even know what that meant but the thing that really fascinated me was effects pedals and at that point I had uh, an analog delay pedal uh, a very cheap distortion pedal and I think uh, around 1988, 99 I may have had a compressor Later on, I was lucky enough to have a flanger uh, gifted to me by one of my uncles, but we'll get to that a little bit down the track. 
But even before I could afford an electric guitar, I'd been trying to emulate effects with the equipment that I did have. At that point, I had a nylon string uh, acoustic guitar and um, my parents had an old Sony uh, portable uh, tape player. Um, I'll pop some pictures in the Patreon, but essentially this was a a small unit that uh, had two speakers and these speakers would actually latch over the top of the unit, over the tape deck and the controls so that you could take it with you. of course, it was incredibly heavy, um, so there's no way you would be taking it anywhere. Um, but it had two small microphone inputs. Um, they were the size of what we commonly call today a headphone jack. We had some uh, very cheap microphones. I, I think they might have even come with the unit, but tiny, terrible, um, obviously unpowered. But my way of trying to emulate that rock sound um, was I would get one of these small microphones and I would actually put it inside the, the sound hole of the acoustic guitar. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying I'm positioned it on the hole. I'm saying I would drop it inside the body of the guitar because at that level, the input into the tape player would overdrive. And so I could put on the headphones and I could pretend just for a, for a little while that I was playing an electric guitar and I was really playing a, comp- a very cheap nylon string guitar. So that was my first attempt at trying to record and, I guess, some, produce some kind of effects. So with many people, when they're trying to think about home recording, they grab the first thing that is available to them. And it's generally a domestic stereo system or a portable stereo so my first forays into recording were recording one part, then getting a second tape recorder, playing that first part uh, within uh, hearing of the microphone of the second uh, recorder, and then playing along. This was a very basic form of multi-tracking. Now, today, any kid with an iPad and a copy of Garage Band can put multiple tracks together. You can record your voice. You can um, drag some sample, pre-recorded samples and loops and beats into your multi-track session in Garage Band, and you know within a minute you can have something that is release quality. And um, it's mind blowing for someone my age to think that that technology is basically on your phone at everyone's fingertips. Um, but at the time. Uh, when I was maybe 15, that seemed like magic and it seemed like something that was almost out of reach. So one of the the, uh, first things that I can find in uh, all the the myriads of tapes that I've been going back through from the last 30-odd years of recording is uh, me playing the Simple Minds song East at Easter and playing one riff, recording that, and then trying to record the second riff over the top by placing my guitar amplifier and uh, the first uh, tape player uh, at the right distances from the second recorder so that the mix would be okay. Uh, So the most basic possible kind of mixing that you could possibly imagine. But processes like that Uh, eventually lead to frustration and um, now I I wasn't in a position to be able to upgrade 
Um, and I, I probably wouldn't have known what I would be upgrading to at this point in time. Um, but what did take my uh, interest was that um, Dick Smith, uh, for, for those of you not in Australia, Dick Smith's a chain store uh, similar to Radio Shack where you could buy um, hobby kits for electronics. So this store sold an FM transmitter kit. Uh, for, for some of our older listeners, you might remember um, your parents talking about how they got to build a crystal set, which was a very small uh, radio receiver. In this case, uh, the kit that I had was uh, an FM transmitter. Uh, so for me, the next part of our story starts when I'm on holidays uh, in the coastal Victorian town uh, of Lakes Entrance. Lakes Entrance was a small fishing town. It's um, still a small fishing town. Uh, my family holidays were held there uh, religiously each September. And in this particular year, I'd taken this small Dick Smith's uh, FM transmitter kit away on holidays. And I'd put it together. I think I had a soldering iron. I can't remember especially, but I think I must have. And... I'd modified the input for this FM transmitter so that it could come directly out of the last effects pedal in my guitar effects chain. Uh, so for those unfamiliar with guitar effects, uh, the signal would go from the guitar uh, and then it would go into whatever effects pedals that you put in a line. For me, this was into the analog delay pedal and then into a distortion. Now, some people will be saying, isn't that the wrong chain for guitar effects pedals? Firstly, I don't know what wrong chain means, but I very much loved the experimental setting of having all of your echoes distort. Uh, so that was my preference. So before anyone jumps on me about pedal order, it was totally a preference. So the signal would pass through the pedals and then from the last pedal, it would go into this transmitter. Um, the transmitter was powered by a 9-volt battery. It had a very limited range, and you had to make sure that you had it at the right uh, distance and the right sort of position, otherwise it wouldn't broadcast um, in stereo. Some people are saying, well, the signal coming out of your guitar wasn't in stereo anyway. I probably didn't even realise at the time. I just thought it sounded better when it was positioned a certain way. Um, so that was my next step. Um, and for me as a, as a young person, um, I was trying to find sounds that would uh, explore and emulate how I felt about the world. And so being uh, down at this coastal town of Lakes Entrance, um, at night I would sneak out the window and I would go and sit on the beach by myself uh, sometimes I'd watch the, the ships out at sea with um, the fishermen who were still, you know, trying to get their overnight catch. You could see the lights of the boats. Sometimes, uh, if uh, you were lucky, you could also hear them talking on their shortwaves. I'd take my Walkman down and try and tune into the shortwave conversations between these fishermen, which I wouldn't recommend in uh, the late 80s, early 90s. Um, it wasn't the most enlightening conversations, but um, it was interesting. But going back to 
the recording, I'm trying to think as a teenager, how do I capture the feeling of being at the ocean, being at the beach, the ideas of freedom. Um, and that was as much a part of it as trying to get a good quality sounding recording. Now in episodes to come, we'll start to look at bigger production setups. Uh, I mean, it's it'd be hard not to have a bigger production setup than a small wireless FM transmitter. But this episode's just a little bit of a primer for how this series will run and the kind of discussions we'll be having. Uh, we'll try to bring in a little bit of the pop culture that was around myself and the guests at the time, um, some of the artists that we were influenced by, or maybe even some of the producers that we were influenced by. But when I think back about this beginning of trying to record uh, music, record how I felt, it's not really the technology that I'm thinking about. I'm not thinking so much about the guitar I had or the effects pedals I had. What I'm really remembering is this was an exciting time when I was beginning to make music with my friends, what those relationships would mean over the course of my life, and really what it was like as an artist to try and capture the way that the ocean made you feel that limitless, endless uh, force that you are coming up against and the ethereal feeling that it inspired and how that could change into music. <laughs> 